0: Hello and welcome to Fraggle Talk Classic, the unofficial Fraggle Rock podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. My name is Beth, and I am rewatching for the millionth time.
1: My name is Julia, and I'm re-watching for the first time in ten years.
2: My name is Adam, and I'm re-watching for the negative first time. Mm-hmm. I actually watched it once, and then I watched it backwards twice, so now I'm watching it once again <sighs> so that I can catch up to just zero watches.
1: That is some timey-wimey stuff. <laughs>
2: Look, I told you before we started recording that I was very
3: tired. <laughs> this is why all the time travel. Exactly. <gasps> A
2: fourth <gasps> voice. Oh my gosh. Oh no, I gave it Who away. Who could it be? Hi, uh,
3: I'm also named Adam, uh, and uh, I'm I'm visiting from the Muppeturgy podcast, and I'm very excited to be here. I rewatched this episode. I guess rewatched for the first time, uh, watched for the second time in 40 years. Hey. Nice. Wow. Yeah.
2: Well, welcome. We're really glad you're
0: here. Yeah. Thanks. So, for listeners who are unfamiliar with the Muppeturgy podcast, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what y'all do over there?
3: Um, we are uh, a Muppet Show rewatch podcast, one of many that that popped up uh, when the Muppet Show appeared on Disney Plus. But you know, I, I I like to think we're in the top five. Um, there are there are four of us, uh, and we get real nerdy and real pedantic and uh, pick the Muppet Show apart episode by episode. Um, we go really deep on the guest stars and on all the music. And uh, we have a good time. We're in season four right now. Um, so if you, you can find us wherever you find podcasts or at Muppeturgy.com, uh, there are many GIFs and many uh, links to the songs and stuff on there. So yeah, you can, you can go back and um, we... Uh, I actually don't know when this episode is coming out, but as we're recording, um, I think uh, our Linda Lavin episode is coming up soon. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I really enjoy the Muppeturgy podcast. It's exactly my brand of nerdery and i love that you don't necessarily have to be a muppet nerd already you can be the type of person who just wants to sit back and let other people be the nerds for you
2: (laughs) you mean a business
3: major thanks (laughs) we we take pride in our nerdery uh i know we have folks who are watching along with us and and other folks who are not and and you know it's I, i i think it's working for everybody so nice
0: excellent well we're so glad to have you here
3: thanks happy to be here
0: so, today we are talking about episode 14 of season one, The Challenge.
1: The Challenge.
0: Uh, this originally aired on April 11th, 1983, written by the late great Jerry Jewell and directed by George Bloomfield.
2: Can I just say, I loved this Doc and Sprocket opener? It made me really happy. It also just made me so happy seeing how happy a Windows Screen Saver made Doc. <laughs>
3: Excuse me. An an Apple. Well, I don't know what the screensaver was. But um, as somebody who was seven when this aired, uh, I had that computer. (laughs) That is an Apple IIe. And uh, just all of the nostalgia and all of the stats he gives about it.
0: Were they accurate stats?
3: I mean, I didn't look it up. I did look up that the Apple IIe was released in 1983. So that that is real. But I definitely remember, I mean, 64 kilobytes of RAM. Mm-hmm. Plausible, um, and he's talk. He talks about the peripheral slots on the motherboard. That was for sure a thing. You, you, the monitor was separate, and you lifted the top of that hunking thing off, <laughs> and you could put in like a card that would let you get color on your monitor instead of the green one, like I had, Ooh. and that like external floppy disk drive with actual floppy disks. Oh yeah, it, it all made me very happy. I had all of that. I didn't have that joystick, but.
0: Yeah, I didn't have that particular model, but my parents were definitely those nerds who bought a personal home computer as soon as a personal home computer was a thing you could buy. Uh, We had what was neither a Mac nor a PC. It was called an Amiga.
3: Yes. What?
0: Yeah. So many wonderful 80s games burned into my little six-year-old memory.
2: That's awesome. I also love that he's like, we got a backup system, and then he just pulls out an abacus.
1: <laughs> I clocked that too, yeah.
2: Well, and all the software he got, like the, the, the filing
3: and, and counting software, it's very near and dear to my adult heart, if not my seven-year-old heart.
0: Yeah, so the list of software that Doc has for this computer are sort and file, inventory wizard, statistics, Boolean algebra, and zombie attack. The description of which is, chase the alien zombies through outer space, hurling flaming marshmallows. And if we have any listeners out there who are coders, (laughs) please make this a functional game that looks like it came right out of 1983. I have a
2: mighty need. This has to exist, right? Somebody has to have made that.
1: Okay. I missed that description up top because later Doc does mention a marshmallow while they're playing. Mm-hmm. And I had so many questions, but knowing <laughs> that it's actually embedded in the description of the game answers all of my questions. Well, maybe not all of my questions, <laughs> but most of my questions. Yeah. Yeah, I liked this opener for the two of them. Um, we've we've talked a lot about Doc and how he is as a dog owner. But this one, you know, like, it, Sprocket, like, comes back from, like, going for a run chasing the neighborhood cat and doc like congratulates him a little bit and then they kind of just delve into the computer together and it feels a little bit more copacetic than than previous openers that we've gotten
2: you just used the word copacetic casually in a sentence (laughs) i did i'm so glad you're on this podcast (laughs)
1: poetry you gotta learn some words sometimes
2: darn right (laughs) um But yeah, no, I I was going to say there's there was uh, no anger at Doc in this. I mean, like there's the competitive and like, yeah, okay, you're getting competitive uh, with your dog about a video game, but it's kind of cute. It's kind of sweet.
0: If I had a dog that can play video games, I might compete with my dog if i had
2: a dog that could play video games i would make millions as a twitch streamer (laughs) that's true
1: and who hasn't been there with like a good friend where you play the game and you get a score you're so proud of you feel so good about yourself and then your friend just whizzes on by that score in a matter of seconds if we're doc and sprocket so of course you're naturally going to get a little competitive and i you know i felt that that was more relatable than something i was frustrated with doc about
2: well, that I experience that on a <laughs> regular basis. Me yeah. and my friends are playing a roguelike and will routinely be like, all right, what was your most damage done at the end of the game? And there's a high score right now of like 1.4 billion total damage in the run that nobody else has managed to touch. And so I get to be the dude who's flexing about making the colors and shapes on the screen a cool pattern. <laughs> I should probably go touch some grass.
0: All right. Anything else about Doc and Sprocket before we move on to the fraggles?
3: And sprocket's real cute but that's a given
0: sprocket is real cute and he has gotten a slight makeover since uh the first 12 episodes um i think they changed his eyebrows a little bit so he looks less sad mm-hmm. um he's a little more expressive speaking of
1: changes how long does gobo's hat stick
0: around um, does it? It's not that it sticks around per se. It com- it's just come it, and go. It comes and goes. Yeah,
1: because I don't know if I remember. I kn- I knew about the haircut. I knew the haircut was coming mm-hmm. with the the return of from the hiatus in the first season, but the hat was a surprise and i couldn't remember if this is just like a one-off look for a little bit or if it it comes and goes or if it sticks around for a long time and then he loses it because i when i think of gobo i don't think of him with a hat on but yeah it's it's a look that he is pulling off in this episode
3: he's also carrying his little guitar banjo thing the entire episode which i found a little weird but it, it also sort oh, of wow. feels like
0: i didn't track that
3: yeah i didn't notice it I, I, I watched the second time and i noticed it and i i feel like they um like, they just dress the puppet for the episode, and that's it. Everything's staying on.
1: I did note that Gobo has major guitar guy energy, especially oh gosh, in the first yes. part of
0: this episode. So
2: It's rough. <laughs> I will say the guitar playing's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, like, if I could just listen to a clip of that, I totally would.
0: Yeah, so this is an instrumental song called Noodle and Nut, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we can all... Wow. Wow. Snirk quietly to ourselves about that one. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So tell us about
2: Noodle and Nut, Beth.
0: That's that's all we need to know about it. Oh. Okay.
2: (laughs) It was written by
3: the same people who wrote the two, like, song songs in this episode, right? Yeah.
0: So the musical team of Fraggle Rock is Dennis Lee writing the lyrics, Philip Balsam writing the music, and... Don Gillis is the musical director. Um, So we should uh, rewind it, Tad, to where uh, Red comes in and what she's complaining about.
1: So yeah, to kick off the episode with the Fraggle segment, um, basically, they're all prepping for a picnic. But Red comes in and she's got what is it a swim competition, a swim race um, Mm -hmm. on the same day. And she's like, but I want to go to the picnic. But you know, she also doesn't want to not do her swim thing. Mm -hmm. And essentially, she gets frustrated that Gobo's the leader and gets to make all of the decisions and she doesn't get to have any say.
2: Yeah, which is a really solid setup, and it's a really nice way to introduce the theme of like leadership, and what that is, and what it looks like. But also, Boober's playing along to the jam session, and he's playing along wild, like by doing laundry on his washboard, and that made <laughs> me so happy to see. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I love that. It was so good.
1: I
3: love
0: that
2: so much.
1: Boober's got some great lines in this episode. I
3: love Boober. I always loved Boober, and to come back to this as an adult, I still love Boober, maybe even more. <laughs> I am Boober.
1: This is a great, bo- like, it's not a Boober episode, but it's a great episode to highlight Boober. Like, when we get to the part where Red's like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the leader for today. I'm gonna declare it. And then I think Boober's the one that says argument, nothing. It's an attempted coup and like yeah. runs out. It's, yes. it's great. Yep. And there's a lot, a lot more great lines, uh, in the Gorg's Garden as well from him
0: that line hits differently nowadays doesn't it just it
1: does hit differently yeah with attempted coup it brings up to light something else but for the time and for the situation
0: it's a little bit lighter
2: i also just like i really appreciate that they're having this argument around the doozers building their stuff mm-hmm. like it's not just set dressing it's a reiteration of world building And then there's a really amazing line at the end, which there's like a little traveling mat segment in there that we should probably touch on. But there's a line at the end after they like huff off through the doozer bridge where Boober apologizes to the doozers and says, yeah, we'll be back later to eat up this mess. And it's like, oh my goodness, understanding of cross-cultural values is rising. (laughs)
0: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Interspecies progress. So real quick, like, (laughs) Julia, you talking about gobo as a guitar guy uh-huh. <laughs> really made me laugh i i feel like gobo in this particular episode is activating my dislike of the de facto leader trope mm-hmm. like thinking about the the shows or the media that i consumed as a kid whenever there was like a group of friends with a de facto leader if it was gobo or uh jake and the Animorphs or fred
2: and the mystery gang fred and the
0: mystery gang we-
2: the gang and it
0: I stayed a million <laughs> miles away from horror. Um, if anyone Whoa. out there watched uh, The Wuzzles, uh, Bumble Lion, anyway, the de facto leader character I always, was always my least favorite. I always found them boring. Mm-hmm. And like now that I'm you know, rereading the Animorphs as an adult, I'm like, oh, wow, Jake's got some stuff going on. He's got layers to him. I appreciate <laughs> it more.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, look, I'll key into all of those, but you you keep your filthy bits off of Jake from Animorphs. Yeah, that poor no, no, boy no. went through so many difficult things.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, there's so much more than I realized there. And it made me wonder, like, oh, like, are there people out there who do identify with that you know de facto leader trope growing up or is it just us like marginalized weirdos who identify with the weirdos of the group
2: uh possibly that's a really interesting question actually
3: i don't identify with it but i do remember experiencing it
2: Mm.
3: not as the leader but as a member of the group yeah (laughs) right i do think it's a thing that happens
2: i feel like they don't necessarily identify as de facto leader as much as like well nobody else is going to make these decisions so i guess i have to Mm mm-hmm but we I'm, talk a lot of up. sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, I was gonna say, but I'm still talking about Jake instead of Gobo. I feel like Gobo's <laughs> just kind of a jerk at this point. You
3: yeah, were saying, Adam.
0: Gobo is yeah. kind of jerky. Well, that's
3: what I was gonna say. We talk a lot of Muppeturgy about uh what a d- Kermit is, mm-hmm. but like Kermit also like has a job. Right. And mm-hmm. he is he is the it's not de facto, he is the boss, and whether he's a good manager or not is a whole nother podcast. But like I got real Kermit vibes from Gobo, only like he's not no one has given him that task he's not you know signing anyone's paychecks um and it's like just on a logistical level it's like you decide to have this picnic you didn't check whether everybody could come Mm -hmm. she has a swim meet and then he's like well so come to the picnic instead of going to the swim meet like a swim meet involves a bunch of other people or fraggles and maybe a team of some kind and like she can't just do that and oh she hasn't said don't go she says move the picnic to tomorrow and he says move the swim meet swim meet to tomorrow she can't do that like, he's being totally unreasonable, and it really bugged me. Very much Team Red in that scene. Yeah,
1: and he re- absolutely the only reason for being the leader is that it, he reasons like, oh, because of my uncle, and so that makes me a great leader, and it's like, no, it doesn't. Right, and also your uncle's an idiot. Uh, but,
2: uh, but nepotism is a great way to decide leadership, right? <laughs> it's worked out so well for all of the empires that collapsed and crumbled and all the the corporations that got completely driven into the ground. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yep. No errors there.
2: It does
3: work pretty well in Hollywood, I'll give them that.
0: Does it I mean Does I- it
2: <laughs> Does it? Did you see Morbius?
3: I didn't, actually. <laughs> so cool. point made. I
2: I feel like there's some data just to help inform fair, the decision fair. there. Anyways.
3: <laughs> uh but that guy on the boys and lower decks, he's doing very well anyway uh i had a thought and it went away oh gobo gobo Gob- I, I appreciate gobo's argument of like i have these maps and this knowledge but that's only an argument for why like this particular day trip should happen not why he should be in charge all the time mm-hmm. or why he should get to control the entire calendar
0: yeah absolutely
2: yeah so they decide that they're gonna go to and i think it's boober's idea to go to the trash heap i think so yes
3: well it's like it's he's like i can't believe this argument is so terrible only the trash heap could make sense of it and then gobo and red are like oh that's a great idea we should go to the trash heap
0: yeah oh uh we're skipping the postcard whoops i didn't get the postcard in my episode yeah there's a reason for that
3: no they cut it i mean we should talk about this (laughs) because i watched they cut it from apple tv plus
0: yeah
1: i watched it on apple tv plus and i didn't realize until the end and i was looking over my notes i was like wait i didn't take any notes on the postcard and then i did see on muppet wiki that it's taken off of some streaming sites and such but i i don't know what happened in the postcard and i don't know the reason why it was cut
3: Oh, strap in! Oh boy! Uh, All right, because <laughs> I that happened, I was like, "Wait, isn't there always a traveling mat bit?" And so I went and watched it on YouTube. And I do have to say, they cut it really skillfully. Yeah, because they actually moved some dialogue to be over a different shot, which is a thing you can do with puppets, hmm. um, so that everything would line up correctly. So, so good job for that. Um, however,
0: <laughs> however,
3: uh, do you want me to explain it? Do you guys want yes, to explain? Yes, okay, just... I'm waiting with bated breath. Um. So. Uh, Traveling Matt uh, has discovered the, was he call them the fire people? Uh,
0: uh, yeah, creatures that light fires in their mouths. In their mouths.
3: Uh, and and they, they, and then expel smoke through sticks. So they are, he's like at an outdoor restaurant and everyone is smoking. And um, then one man lights a cigar, which don't f- light a cigar. Like even in the 80s when there was a smoking section, like don't <laughs> smoke a cigar at a restaurant.
0: Oh, mouth burners. He calls them mouth, the burners. mouth burners. Thank you. Thank yeah. you
3: uh the man with the cigar has a coughing fit and um traveling Matt throws a a large beer stein of water on him because the he believes his fire has gotten out of control and he needs help um it's real weird and it's also actually weird that they cut it because it's obviously an anti-smoking message i, I have never smoked a cigarette or a cigar in my life but i i I think the the point is if you do it all the time, you you're good at it. And every single one of these smokers is just hacking the entire uh-huh. scene. It's
2: really weird on every level. Oh no, they're they're bloody miserable. And it's interesting because I quit cigarettes in 2020. And usually whenever I see cigarettes in like TV or media, I'm like, oh, man, I miss cigarettes. And this time I was like, wow, what? <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> and just like a, you know. A, a, Knowing that I'm older than you guys, like, to establish where we are in time, like, at this time, both my parents smoked in the in the apartment mm-hmm. that I lived in. Like, my mom quit when she was pregnant, and then immediately started again <laughs> after I was born. Oh. Um, and then they, they, well, my dad passed away, and my mother quit smoking, like, shortly after this, like, the following year. But, like, yeah, it was totally normal to have, like, a five-year-old in a house that was just completely full of smoke. Mm-hmm. And nobody thought twice about it. <laughs> so...
0: Yeah. Uh, did anyone else catch the tidbit on Muppet Wiki that one of these mouth burners is Cheryl Henson, daughter of Jim Henson?
3: No. Oh, I saw her name on IMDb, but didn't realize who she was in this. Yeah.
1: Yep. How old would Cheryl Henson have been? Do you, like a rough guess? She would
3: have been a ad- a young adult, like twenties. Okay. Because like she and she and Brian were doing work on the Muppet Show mm-hmm. by the end of it, so. Okay.
1: So because I didn't see this and so I I don't have the full context besides what y'all have told me what is like usually with Matt's postcards there's a tie to the bigger story at hand what's the tie in with the with the rest of the challenge episode would you say
2: Great question. If there is one I don't see one honestly.
0: <laughs> so I don't think there's a connection between the content of what Matt experienced mm-hmm. and what the rest of the Fraggles are experiencing. The only connection we get is that Gobo says that, you know, he's fit to be the leader because, uh, because my uncle traveling Matt taught me about so many things, like how to think fast and take decisive action in times of crisis, like when he met the Mouthbirders. Okay.
3: Yeah. There's, there's not a literal postcard either. It's just gobo telling the story
0: yeah he's just recalling it from memory yeah. interesting
1: and then it just goes into something that matt has learned about okay i mean we have seen postcards where it's not super directly linked with the the themes of the rest of the plot but usually there is some like tether so i wasn't sure if maybe there was something i was missing that- uh, the,
3: the closest thing to tether i think is that it's a red dismisses this as a as a fairy tale Mm -hmm. um and that's where they cut it really nicely is you know Gobo still says that time he met the mouth burners and then it goes right to red saying that's a fairy tale and i guess so i guess that ties into the genie stuff
1: yeah okay
2: i see i was gonna say if you're trying to use dunking a cigar person in water as an example of quick thinking and decisive leadership You don't understand quick thinking or decisive leadership. And that feels quite accurate to the theming of this (laughs) particular episode. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also feels quite accurate to how Traveling Matt exists in outer space.
2: Yep. So they go to the trash heap.
1: They try to go to the trash heap.
2: Try to go to the trash heap. You're right. They never actually get there.
3: One of my other fraggle memories is that the trash heap was huge in our house. Big, big fans. And so I was really excited and then really disappointed.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, we, we get no Trash Heap. We also get no Moki in this episode. Yeah,
3: they mention her, but we don't ever see her. And we
1: only get Wembley at the very start for just w- the one scene with Red claiming leadership.
0: A fun fact from the wiki. This episode has the most mentioned but unseen characters. Moki, the Trash Heap, Ned Schimmelfinney, and Fluffinella. Huh.
1: Mm hmm. Well, and for me, Matt, there was no Matt when I watched it. And so I, right. <laughs> yeah, I like noted how this episode, because of like the lack of characters, and it, it kind of just being contained in the gorgs garden for the brunt of the episode, it felt like it, it just felt so contained and almost, I don't know, zoomed in on just these three and then the gorgs as well. Uh And so it felt different than all the other episodes I'd watched before. And it's funny, because this is like, I remember bits and pieces of all the other episodes we've watched, but I have a really clear memory of a lot of this episode from watching 10 years ago. I remember the songs in this one more so than a lot of the other songs we've heard. I remember some of Boober's one-liners when they're in the Gorg's Garden exactly, and I remember quoting them to friends when I was in college. <laughs> and there, yeah, there's something about this episode that is stuck out to me when I was younger, and it's, yeah, I, it was interesting to, like, revisit it and be like, oh, I remember this one, as opposed to previous episodes where they just I was like, I don't remember any of this, so this is like re-experiencing it for the first time.
3: I do actually remember the smoking scene, mm-hmm. the Charlie Matt scene, and I—I I wonder if that like made its way around Twitter or something, and you know, more recently because
0: mm, I, I can't probably. imagine
3: remembering that from
2: 40 years ago. It is also interesting. Just getting back to the thing, they um. They start an argument and get caught because they're being loud in the Gorg's garden, which also happens in the other episode that we watched. Like, that happens the same thing with different characters, granted. With with the exact two characters that aren't here, that happens. <gasps> Whoa! That's... I don't know what to make of that. But it feels important. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: We also normally... Anytime we kind of get that green screen of the the Fraggles walking and either arguing or chatting, and then they get spotted by a gorg before they realize it, it's always Junior. And this time it was Pa, which was mm-hmm. you know a little interesting twist that Pa's this the one who's going to catch them this time. When we're more used to them interacting with Junior Gorg
2: with his crown made of whisks.
3: <laughs> the the music while they're sneaking is very labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Just the the score music. I was I appreciated that place us in time.
0: You mentioned uh, his crown. Uh, another fun fact is that Pogorg spends this episode in Magorg's crown from the first 12 episodes instead of his regular crown. Does he Does Come he on.
1: go back to his regular crown after this? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I saw that, but I couldn't Ooh. remember if this is just his. also his new look. Everyone's getting new looks, uh, especially Magorg. Magorg looks great. <laughs> I
3: was going to say, she doesn't have a crown, right? She's got that sort of messy updo.
1: Yes, she's got the bun in her, her yeah. hair, but she looked very different uh in the first 12 episodes of the season with like giant bug eyes and her hair was down um and they really gave her a a glow up
3: yeah i love the hair Mm
0: -hmm. adam i'm gonna send you a link to mogorg because her glow up is quite uh quite the journey
2: oh other adam i was Oh, (laughs) Oh, right (laughs) who's on first Well, I I
3: closed my browser because it was, oh, oh, wow. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: That's much
3: better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They got some notes and they applied those notes.
2: She goes from looking like Barney meets Grendel to someone's cool, like vaguely conservative Midwestern aunt.
0: Yep. I love that her, her updo has two ping pong paddles in the back. As if they were fancy combs. Oh, I didn't
2: notice that. That's amazing. Oh, is that what they were? Yeah,
1: I didn't notice that either.
0: Yep. I mean, she also has two big, uh, what look like knitting needles. That's what
2: I spotted. Yeah,
3: I didn't realize yeah. there was something else in the back. Mm, that's great.
0: I I gotta say, I don't
3: really care for the gorks.
0: Uh, at this point, nor should you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I realize they're the villains of the piece, but like... I think we get some really solid puppeteering for Junior's facial expressions. Yeah, From
3: a puppetry standpoint, it's great. And I actually, another thing I remember from childhood is there was like a behind the scenes thing they would run on HBO sometimes, which I'm sure is now on YouTube. And even like knowing how it all works, like actually I was like, how heavy is that head? Like I just kept thinking about like all the, all the electronics inside of it, but like they, they look great, but I just, I find them so unappealing on a show that has a literal trash heap as a character. (laughs) Uh, and Junior especially I mean just like what an unpleasant voice to have to listen to I'm actually really surprised it was Richard Hunt I mean I guess it speaks to his versatility as an actor but oof
2: yeah they're definitely like made to come off as wrong kind of like how a lot of Dark Souls bosses are specifically designed to be unsettling like the, the Gorgs very much feel like you took all of the various sort of like physical traits that we would associate with that type of like posturing and masculine and patriarchal and king culture I and mean, we just sort of cranked them like to the strongest possible extreme they possibly could yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah, i mean they're the they're the foils for the fraggles they're supposed to be pretty much the polar opposites um you know well i guess like fraggles doozers and gorgs kind of like they all operate in different realms and like yeah the gorgs are just like th- these extreme versions of Yeah, I mean, toxic masculinity and, uh, you know, all of these, they want to like control the universe. We've talked a bit about that in the past, even though it seems like they control absolutely nothing, but they, you know, put themselves on pedestals, pause really like not great to Junior, uh, although he is sad when he thinks Junior's dead for a second, which was kind of nice, (laughs) I suppose. He's very upset. Yeah.
2: It's interesting, too, because he's like, immediately he sees Fraggles and he's like, oh, I'm gonna capture these fraggles. My kid likes fraggles, and then he goes, "Oh, here comes my beautiful wife and my semi-beautiful son." And it's like, dude, really? Come on. Yeah. True
3: though, I it's part of it is like that he is clearly an adult, right? Like he's taller than Ma, than pa. Like there's a there's a weird like you know fail son aspect to that I character. I always read
1: him as more of like a teenager. You know, sometimes like teens just like shoot up and. You
3: know, yeah, that's true. He could be. Yeah. Um, this is not a fully formed thought because it just came to me, but I think the Gorgs are Commedia dell'arte characters.
1: Oh. Or like
3: you know, um, not stereotypes. What's that word? Caricatures. Not that one either, but closer. Um, archetypes. Archetypes. Yeah. Commedia dell'arte Corey archetypes. Um, archetypes. Okay. And uh, you know, I haven't. I just thought of this, and I'm not going to do any research. Uh, but to bring <laughs> them up, I urge to it. Um... You
0: don't have to because you're correct. Uh, the actors that they hired to work in the suits were like people with experience in clowning and commedia dell'arte
3: amazing but like yeah like there's like an oaf is one of them and there's like a the you know the the king who is always befuddled and you know these are these are actually pretty pretty standard tropes
2: i also like that we get to hear hear some other mythology like we get to we've gotten some fraggle lore now we're getting some gorg lore Mm -hmm. the uh, gorg lore (laughs) gorg lore gorgish lore See, if you add an ish there, it gets away. Gorgashlor. That's great, but Gorglor. Gorglor.
0: Oh, no, that's terrible to say. Gorglor. Yeah, it's a bad
2: mouth sound. (laughs) Bad mouth feel.
3: That's actually a a creature on Dagobah in Star Wars. The Gorglor.
0: (laughs) Is it really?
2: No, it's not. I made that up. (laughs) It is actually quite close to Adventure Time's version of Cthulhu. Uh, Listeners, now that I know there's multiple of you, good God, mark your bingo card for Adam references Adventure Time. But yeah, I like that we get to hear some of the gorgish lore and that it includes wish-granting genies i think that's really cool yeah i think this is also the first time we see junior complaining in earshot of ma and pa gorg about his duties Mm. because we've seen him complain a little bit about them but it's always been after they leave this is like they're walking away and he's yelling really loudly and like yeah the proletariat is restless and discontent (laughs) go for it junior you have nothing to lose but your chains oh absolutely absolutely so the Fraggles are trapped under a basket, and they're trying to figure out how to get out there. And it's like, oh, suddenly our leadership skills have stakes attached to them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which one of us is going to actually do the leadership good? Yep. Turns out neither of them.
0: Uh, so Junior, Junior gets this brief little song.
2: Not brief
3: enough. Which is called <laughs>
0: Dum-dee-Dum 2, parentheses, I Wish I Had a Genie. So this is not the same tune or structure as the first Dum-dee-Dum song in episode 107, but it is very similar.
3: I did not care for it.
0: It's.
1: It,
3: <laughs> I did not think it was a good song. I like the bass line.
0: I mean, it does have a good bass but yeah, it's not outstanding. It, no. It serves the purpose.
3: I, speaking of bass lines, not to derail us, but I assume you've talked about this at some point. The theme song still slaps. Yeah. And that bass line the is
1: amazing. Goes so hard. It's wonderful.
2: Literally that exact wordage in our first episode. Fantastic. Yep. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear it.
1: Beth, does this song come back at some point? Am I making that up?
0: Um, I don't think so. I must be thinking Let of double check. I, for
1: some reason, I thought that further down the line there was a song that Pa sings that, and like this, like kind of also comes back into it. But I might just be thinking of an entirely different song.
0: So that's actually earlier. Um the one Am I thinking that...
1: of a, a song that we've already seen in an episode?
0: <laughs> oh no, wait, no, wait, you're you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, okay, so the first Dum Dee Dum song mm-hmm. is uh in episode one oh seven when Junior's singing about like just wanting to catch freggles mm-hmm. Um and then you're right, I have a distinct memory of Junior doing the background like dum 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 while Pa is singing about how awful his son is.
1: Yeah, that's the memory, and I don't know when or where it will pop up, but I just wanted to confirm that that's not just in
0: in my head or that my... is not just in your head. Okay, I cool. Don't remember which episode it's in, and I can't find it right now. Mm-hmm. That's okay.
2: Is this also the first time like a Gorg gets a solo song?
0: No, because the the previous dum de dum song was also Junior singing by himself.
2: Okay. I guess that technically counts as a motif.
0: Yeah. And Junior will get more more yeah. songs of his own. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, so they're they're in the basket and they are planning to to lift the basket to escape, and then Junior sits on the basket, further trapping them and making it harder for the escape. Um and then basically Red enacts a plan where she tells him that there is a magical genie under the basket. And he says the line, my bottom is talking to me. And I laughed out loud so hard.
2: That one made me very happy. He also sounds so excited. He's like, oh, my bottom is talking to me. And it's like, oh, buddy, you need a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get Junior a dog
0: or something? Something. So Red convinces Junior that she is the voice of the magical genie that he was just daydreaming about that he wished he had a genie. And... His wishes are, in this order, a new pumpkin knife.
2: A sharper pumpkin knife. A
0: sharper pumpkin knife to meet his most immediate and practical need to make his life easier. Makes sense. Two, a pony. Which he would kill if he sat on. Mm -hmm. Uh, See, I thought the opposite. I thought, a gorg-sized pony! How cool would that be? Okay, that would- That's just a horse. (laughs) No, gorgs are huge. Wait,
2: but-
3: Gorgs are huge to fraggles. Aren't they human-sized?
0: No, no, no. Gorg, no, they're well, big I to mean, humans, too. In terms I mean, of like, there's a human in the suit, but the the missing species in that line, each is knee-high to another. So a doozer is knee-high to a fraggle, a fraggle is knee-high to a human, and a human is knee-high to a gorg.
3: Oh, okay. Whoa. I didn't quite...
0: They're way bigger than I thought. From seeing
3: Traveling Matt with the humans, I didn't quite yep. get all of that.
2: But yeah, so a pony...
0: A pony. So just pure selfish joy for himself. And then... Number three, peace in the universe. Mm -hmm. Lovely. And then number four is a gift for his abusive father.
2: Yeah. Junior's honestly, I don't know. Junior seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah. I, I have been warming up to Junior as a character significantly over the last few episodes. And I'm like, yeah, you seem nice and kind when you don't need to be sometimes. And most of your meanness seems to come out of a lack of understanding or the culture you grew up in.
1: Well, that, yeah, I was just gonna say he's been raised in this toxic environment where he's, you know, it's learned that like, oh, I should, you know, thump some fraggles um, from his awful father. And we get glimpses into like, like, we've seen a bit with gardening, and that'll be more of a thing and his other interactions with fraggles that maybe there's a bit more softness there. um, Which, you know, assuming we'll see a lot more of that as we go along.
3: I did find it interesting just just dropping in here that that when Pa catches the fraggles, he said, Junior loves to play with fraggles. Right? Like it's he doesn't necessarily, at least in this episode, want to do them harm. I imagine he would, like letting in the rabbits, but, you know, it's it's the intention seems good on both Pa and Junior's part with the Fraggles. And it also made me wonder, like, has he ever caught one? Like, how does Pa know that he likes to play with them? What did he do? Did he has he killed dozens of fraggles in the past? I this is how my brain works, I'm sorry.
1: He's definitely caught the of the five like main fraggles he's caught them several times in previous episodes uh and he's talked a lot about thumping them or smashing them with his club but obviously has never we've never seen that he's never been successful right.
3: but that's what i remember so i thought the, the play line
2: was interesting
3: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. yeah
2: we get to the bit where Pagor comes back and he's like, Who are you talking to? And Junior's like, No one. And in all caps, I just wrote, Yes, keep secrets from the ruling class. <laughs>
0: uh. Yeah, so he doesn't tell Pa why he refuses to let Pa pick the bucket up, because Pa wants to be like, Hey, I caught you these fraggles, but Junior is convinced that there is a genie under it who will if you lift the bucket, will make your ears fall off
2: Mm mm-hmm that's what red says to save their skin
0: he's like to protect my daddy's ears i will sit on this bucket forever do we ever see any gorg
1: ears
3: no they all fell off because of the genies i think doesn't junior have i think junior has visible ears i I could be making that up
0: i think they're all either like tiny and hidden under their shaggy hair or Mm -hmm. internal like a whale or like kermit the
3: frog well then how could they fall off oh there you go they do they do that classic um sitcom misunderstanding thing where pa says you know oh i have a surprise for you under the basket and junior says you know what's under the basket thinking he's talking about the genie
0: right Mm -hmm. and then
3: pa just lets it go so they 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 got in there fairly cleanly oh you're right i'm looking at a picture junior does not have visible ears
2: i really like all the physical comedy like it was a really solid like old school clowning slapstick
0: yeah the gorgs do that really well
2: that felt really good I got to go to clown school like a little bit when I was a kid Aww. and we learned a bit of stuff like that. And it's just it's very fun. It's good fun.
0: Oh, that sounds delightful.
2: It was really cool.
1: Um, so, yeah, basically, Pa goes off like and is confused about why Junior won't let him lift the bucket. And Junior sits back on and is like, I'm going to sit on this basket until I die. And then their solution is he keeps sneezing. He's been sneezing throughout the episode. And Red tells him that if he sneezes one more time, he'll die.
2: I think it's Gobo who tells him. Gobo asks if he can take a turn being the genie. Oh, is and it then, Go- yeah. oh you're
1: right. It is Gobo. Because Junior's like, your voice sounds different, genie. Well, oh, well. And then, yeah, he tells him that he'll die. And Junior responds, I don't want to die. I have other plans.
2: Which is a great reason to not want to die.
0: That is true. Yeah. Back when I started making uh, Fraggle Rock quote tiktoks in my brief foray into tiktok i was making one for like every month of 2020 and the one for march of 2020 was this quote of i don't want to die i have other plans oh yeah
2: well i'm glad you didn't die because i get we get to be those other plans
0: oh gosh darn it oh shucks
1: mm.
0: oh yeah and then junior gets this other great line of you know, he just panics and falls down and then declares calmly, this is very interesting. Being dead feels just like being alive. Yeah, which... Not,
2: not very smart, our junior.
0: No. He's really not. not. He's not had a lot of
2: exposure to existence. That's true, too. Very sheltered child. Um, But yeah, so he falls down, and so now they can get out from under the basket, but he's blocking their way back into the fraggle hole.
1: So they they do a tickle.
2: They tickle him. And it doesn't work, and that's one of the things that I actually really appreciate about this episode is there's a lot of weird mistakes that things would seem like a good idea, and then it just doesn't work. Yeah, you know, like life,
0: like life, <laughs> life do. Is trial and like error. Life do.
3: I was a little confused, and this might have had to do with like the blue screen stuff, but like I didn't understand why they couldn't go
2: around him. That was really unclear to me. I think he was like lying right up against it. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That was my read on it, anyways. Um, but yeah. They decide they're like, oh no, oh that's what it is. Boober has an amazing moment, and he's like, look, we're trying to manipulate this guy. Show some respect. He thinks he's mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Gobo's like, you know, Boober. He only thinks he's dead. He's not really dead. And Boober's like, I know, but I have great sympathy. The Grim Reaper comes to us all.
2: <laughs> uh,
3: somebody good <get> Boober lines. <laughs> yeah, it was a very. That was a very Gonzo line. Yeah, not a complaint. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so then Boober starts singing a funeral dirge and they're like boober where did you let a funeral dirge and he says i composed it in honor of my own departure and this is honestly my favorite song in the entire episode mm-hmm. i love this one i honestly stopped and was like is that actually a song are they just singing a regular song but no it's a, it's it was composed for the show it's just very stylistically accurate to stuff of that particular time including the faster version did i hear this wrong or did they refer to dixie whaling
3: that's the
0: name of the song yes yeah that is okay. the name of the song. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that fact.
3: More more than the term Dixie being uh, a thing we don't really use anymore, I was just curious as to what it means in Fraggle World.
0: Mm-hmm. So the major inconsistencies that we've tracked so far come almost entirely from song lyrics. Mm. In that, you know, Fraggles would have no reason to know what a tiger is or what ice cream what ice cream is um and in this case they would have no reason to know what dixieland music is or the word dixie at all Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what that means to (laughs) hey non-american listeners right here's a little bit about what that word means and why it's not great to use anymore and why country trio the chicks took it out of their their name Um, That it does refer specifically to uh, the time in American history in the South when black Americans were enslaved and or for white Southerners can give this this air of nostalgia. And uh, how how do you.
2: (sighs) It's a it's a sort of like fascist style oh things used to be good callback to specifically white southern aristocracy mm-hmm. who could maintain the lovely carefree lifestyle they had because they did no work ever because they were enslaving people
0: yeah right so nowadays we refer to that music style as new orleans jazz
3: which to get back on track this song i don't think really was i'm not an expert but it, that also made yeah, the the use of the decently word was. was it okay
2: Go yeah, I'm not, most of the blues I know isn't necessarily New Orleans, but I've listened to enough to know that, like, Funeral Dirge and then Faster Funeral Dirge mm. is very New Orleans. That makes sense, yeah. Uh,
0: So the song does have a couple of covers, if you want to check those out. Mm-hmm. uh, One of them was on the album that we've talked about before, uh, Do It On Our Own.
3: Uh, I have found three versions in the iTunes store.
0: Ooh, you found three versions.
3: Uh, Tell me. Why? well... I found three songs with the title in the iTunes store. I have not played them. Uh, One is by Spencer Moody, one is by the Upstart Crows, and one is a live version by the Gold Hope Duo. Entirely possible that they are different songs with the same title because we're recording a podcast, so I'm not... Oh, and another one by the Barnacle Boys. Interesting. (laughs) It's a great name.
0: Yeah, the only ones I knew about were uh, the one by Gold Hope Duo and...
3: Oh, the Spencer Moody one is from a whole Fraggle Rock covers album. Yes,
0: yes. That's the one from Do It On Our Own. Um, and that one is is really cool. It's got some, like, got some very dark vibes.
2: Huh. Alrighty. So they sing this song. It's a good song. And Junior gets up and dance and sings with them. And I think this is the first interspecies song we've had, aside from the theme song?
0: We've gotten a little bit of doozers singing along if they happen to be around mm-hmm. but this is definitely the first gorg fraggle musical crossover yeah
2: and it's really sweet it made me really happy yeah
1: boopers like gets upset that there's so- the song that he started singing stops being sad because yes. junior's like hey i, I want to dance to this song and so they make it a whole lot more lively and then boopers just bummed about it which is great
2: big Booper energy
1: and also like Pa has seen that, like, Gorg has quote-unquote died and run off, and then he brings Ma back, and they stand there crying for a second, even though Junior's dancing in front of them, and it takes them a moment to be like, oh, wait, our son is alive, and they're very happy about it, which is nice in comparison to all the other interactions we've seen with especially Junior and Pa Gorg at this point.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And what I don't like about this episode is that, so I I like that... So as the Gorgs keep singing, Gobo and Red tell each other, like, hey, nice going, boss. Like, they call each other boss, like acknowledging that they each have leadership qualities. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like that was quite enough of a resolve for the fight that they had earlier. I kind of liked
1: it because I feel like up till now, with all of the lessons that are learned by the Fraggles, they're usually is almost like a neat little bow of like, they never are like, this is the lesson I learned, but they basically like sum it up in in conversation or with someone giving a speech or something. Mm -hmm. And this one, they kind of just they leave and that's the end of it. And it just felt maybe for me a bit like true to life that sometimes, sometimes there isn't like a natural like a big resolve to anything. It just naturally like kind of wraps itself up and you know maybe we'll see a bit how this affects their relationship in the future but maybe we won't um it just felt like they were trying something a little bit different in comparison to previous episodes which i found really interesting so i guess i don't know if if i if i liked it or didn't like it but i did find it very compelling just because it it's something new that we haven't really seen before
0: yeah that's totally fair i did
3: feel like the episode ended really abruptly Mm -hmm. and i mean that's partly because i watched it the first time without the traveling mat scene so it was even shorter than than normal, but but yeah, I had that same sense. I, I appreciated there wasn't like a heavy handed lesson, but right. I I also had a moment of like, wait, what? It's over.
2: Yeah, yeah. They're usually a so little bit like they usually give you a scene after or something along. Like you get right. you get a little bit more breathing room before the credits roll.
0: I did like at the end the tie in with Doc and Sprocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they've basically spent the whole episode competing with each other to get the highest score in Zombie Attack. And so they they cut back when Doc is basically like kicking out Ned Schimmelfinney and saying, "How dare he come over here and win one million six hundred thousand points on our zombie attack game?" <laughs> so basically, they're now united by a common enemy of Ned Schimmelfinney.
2: That also means that like, because of the way those video games worked, He's going to be on the high scoreboard, and mm-hmm. they're going to have to look mm-hmm. at his high score every time they open the game. <laughs> yep. Which is harsh.
1: Yeah. That's a weird flex from their neighbor to come over and just dunk on them and leave with, yeah, his score on their, their game.
2: I mean, not going to lie, if Doc was my neighbor, <laughs> I would totally do that. Chimelfinny puts up with a lot. I will
3: say, I don't think that's how it would have worked on the Apple II. I don't think you could oh. really save anything. I had the oh. same thought. You know, because everything's on a floppy disk that would have been... Fair. ...copy protected. You, you could... Oh, we can go deep down this rabbit hole. you put a piece of scotch tape over the little tab if you wanted to recycle a disk... Ah. ...and write mm. over it, but then you wouldn't have your game anymore. But yeah, also at one point there's a Pac-Man sound, like a very distinct Pac-Man sound comes out of that computer.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that.
3: Which, it's incorrect, but I appreciate it as the most 1983 thing that could have yeah. happened, so... <laughs> yeah, I caught it
2: too. I did not. Thank you for pointing that out.
0: Yeah, so they decide... They decide to instead start playing a game that they can play together. Galaxy Pirates? A game called Galaxy Pirates, yes. You and your co-pilot, then they look at each other excitedly, try to outrun the Venusian Warthogs.
2: (laughs) Which, like, yeah, that's the natural way that evolution goes. Any species that starts engaging in cooperation over competition will inherently have a significantly higher edge over any other species that's solely gauged in individualistic competition. And that's why America is so dang toxic. Yep. Oh, it's the law, law natural selection. Natural selection means get together in communal groups. <laughs> like the fraggles. We've brought it back Like around. the fraggles. Yep. Thank you, Adam. There
0: it is. Um. Uh, so, quick note on the international versions. Yes. In the French version, Doc and Croquette are entranced by a new video game system, but are reluctant to take turns with the sole controller. After Croquette sets a record, the system short circuits. Doc repairs it and adds a second controller so the pair can play together. Meanwhile, Uncle Traveling Matt finds a stone lion and assumes the lion is alive. He climbs up and waves, hoping to make friends. Tourists spot him through their pay telescopes. Okay. All right.
2: Interesting.
0: Oh, the UK version. Okay. Listen to this. While playing chess against himself, the captain, who is their version of Doc, hears a police message on the radio concerning an escaped criminal has been spotted around Fraggle Rock. Constable Pedigral calls to let the captain know someone has stolen a motorboat from the village. Just then, he and Sprocket hear a motorboat approaching. Someone approaches the door, and the captain tells Sprocket to bark, but Sprocket is too afraid, so the captain does it himself. When someone knocks at the door, it turns out to be Commander... Ponsumby and his cat. Uncle Matt's postcard is the same, but as usual in the UK version, featured a loud instrumental version of Traveling Matt's theme in the background. After the commander leaves, the captain notices that the door is open and the lights have gone out. The generator has been tampered with, so the captain calls a telephone operator and asks them to send the police. Captain orders Sprocket to be brave and catch the intruder, who turns out to be Ponsumby's cat. Then the police arrive outside. What a what what oh that's
3: ride. the uk version
0: that's the uk version
3: this is all like i only learned of the existence of these different versions from your podcast and hey this is wild do, 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 like, do, do, the muppet do, show they just do, do, dubbed do. for the most part like every once in a while they drop in like a scene mm-hmm. like a, a number but this is a lot of work
0: <laughs> yeah which it makes sense why there were only a few countries that took them up on this offer to, like, film their own unique Dock and Sprocket scenes. Most countries just filmed over in their language.
3: Right. I mean, I guess it sort of makes sense for kids to, like, the, the dubbing might just look weird. As opposed to dubbing the puppets, which is right.
2: less of a problem. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's wild. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about how we can make the world a little fraglier?
0: How can we make the world a little fraglier?
1: If you're in a distressing... Scenario and you feel anxiety and dread, just loudly scream to the sky, I'm too young to be fricassee. <laughs>
2: hmm. If you're in a situation where your work is being exploited and you don't have any other options, complain loudly. <laughs> complain loudly and hoard your secrets from your boss.
0: <laughs> it's okay to compose your own funeral, Dirge.
2: Ooh. Adam, would you like to contribute a way to make the world a little fraglier?
3: I mean, all I've really got is be like Boober, which is really what you all said. I know Adam, that yours was actually about Junior, but I think Boober would actually do the same. So, Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, we should all be more like Boober. He's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like as we get older, we all identify with Boober a little bit more.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I identify with Boober as a child, which tells you a lot about the kind of <laughs> child
2: I was. <laughs> yep, 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 it does. <laughs> Alrighty, do anybody got pluggables they want to plug?
0: Well, let's start with our guests. Yes. Thank you again yeah. so much for being here with us, Adam. This yeah. was such a treat.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for, for
3: making me watch a Fraggle Rock episode. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Uh, I, I plugged at the top already, but I'll, I'll say again, head to Muppeturgy.com or anywhere you get podcasts. Um, we are having fun. Uh, there's a lot of episodes at this point. You can skip ahead. We definitely got better as we went along, much like The Muppet Show. <laughs> uh so you know, jump in anywhere you like. We we would love to to have you around.
0: Excellent. And yeah, you can find me on social media at Beth Anna Cook. Uh that's Anna with two N's and aside from this podcast, I'm occasionally writing stuff on Tough Pigs.
1: You can find me at geek girl Grown Up on Instagram, uh com if you happen to like some poetry, and then also occasionally on Tough Pigs.
2: Uh I have a lo-fi hip hop EP. It is definitely my first EP, but it is remixes of a lot of songs that are really meaningful to me in little moments in video games and TV. Uh, If you look for Badger Blossom, all one word, lowercase on Spotify, you can find it there.
0: All right. That is it for this episode. Uh, Remember to check out toughbigs.com and we would love it if you would give us a good review on your podcaster of choice. And we will see you next time.
2: Don't forget to dance your cares away.
1: Down at Fraggle Talk.
2: Bam.
0: Wow. Fraggle Talk Classic is brought to you by tuffpigs.com, Fraggle Talk Art by Dave Hulteen Jr. The Fraggle Rock mark and logo, characters, and elements are trademarks of the Jim Henson Company. All rights reserved. The Fraggle Rock theme song, written by Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee, is used with permission. Special thanks to the Jim Henson Company and the entire Fraggle Rock family. For more from Tough Pigs, please find us at TuffPigs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Tee Public, and Patreon. Fraggle Talk Classic is produced and edited by me, Beth Cook. Thank you to Joe Hennis, the Tough Pigs Muppet Fan Podcast executive producer. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Down at Fraggle Talk.
3: That's it, I think, right?
0: And there's a guy oh doing the musical direction. I should know this name off the top of my head, and I don't. Oh Uh, sure, come on, Beth. This is what it is. This is what it is for. He's got a fraggle named after him for crying out loud. Oh, I did see that. Gillis, somebody Gillis.
2: Lou Gillis.